Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Work Alchemy podcast, Conversations About Impact, where entrepreneurs and leaders share how they have impact, the sweet moments, and the challenges. I'm your host, Ursula York. I show entrepreneurs how to turn their businesses into agents for lasting change, global impact, and a force for good in the world. These stories are here to inspire and energize you so you can have your own unique impact. I'm excited to announce the Fierce Women Forum, a special event where nine remarkable leaders and I will talk about what it means to be fierce, the reactions we receive as women and people perceived as women, and how we can support each other to be fierce when it's needed. If you've ever been told you're too much or silenced yourself because you were afraid of how you'd be perceived, the Fierce Women Forum is for you. To learn more about the forum and the outstanding leaders I'll be in conversation with, and to register, go to workalchemy.com forward slash FWF, as in Fierce Women Forum. The Fierce Women Forum begins on July 15th, so be sure to bookmark that site right now and go there right after this episode. Even if you're listening to this after July 15th, you can still register and receive the recording. Please join us. Today's guest on the podcast is Sarah Seidelman with a return appearance. Sarah was a fourth-generation physician living in a nature-starved, hectic lifestyle until a walrus entered her life and changed everything. The author of now four books, including her most recent, How Good Are You Willing to Let It Get? Sarah is a woman of medicine and a shamanic mentor who leads transformational travel retreats around the world. Welcome to the podcast, Sarah. I'm delighted to have you here. Again, return appearance. I'm so happy to have this second conversation with you. Thank you, Ursula. I'm super stoked to be here. So you went from work that was very practical, um, in, in if that's a perspective of looking at it, and in, in at least people perceive it as practical, although there's an art to medicine. So you were a physician, and now you're a shaman. We do shamanic work. So tell us a little bit about how that is evolving for you and uh, how, how do you see that as part of your own evolution? Yeah. Well, to tell the story, really, it kind of goes back to um, in medical school, looking back, I think what happened was I kind of got my call to the hero's journey there and turned it down. <laughs> you know, the hero always <laughs> refuses, right, at the first call. Right. And I right. encountered a patient who was dying. And um, I remember just sitting at her bedside and standing there thinking, we are not focused. This person needs something more than what we're offering her, and we're not giving it to her what she needs. I couldn't even articulate it. You know, it was just like something is very missing and absent and it needs to be here, but I don't know what it is. And I think that was my call to do work, you know, around death and dying and around, you know, living and maybe healing the soul, working with the soul or spirit. Uh, uh, but I was like frightened by that idea. I was like, oh, I'd have to go into therapy for 35 years or like, you know, <laughs> I don't know how I would learn how to do something like that. I mean, I just couldn't even comprehend it. I was so linear and logical at that point. So instead I went mm. into surgical pathology, which is a subspecialty that's very, you don't have patient direct patient contact. So I basically right. said, no, thanks us. I'll ignore that invitation to the hero's journey and I'll just do this other thing over here. 
Well, you kind of went extreme because I, I did my master's in pathology and I worked with a pathologist on my research project and he was very interested in not interacting with, <laughs> with the larger world. So, and I think it, it is an aspect of what draws people to it. For sure. Like pathology, like I'm the last person, I'm such a raging extrovert, you know, that I mean, people <laughs> were like, you're going into pathology. Like I thought you were a people person. So it was right. kind of like, in a way I was ill suited to it, but at the same time, I loved it. It was very, um, pattern recognition driven. So it was very, mm. uh, you know, as you say, my art is a medicine. I think most citizens like to think of medicine as being black and white. Like you either know, or you don't know, or it's correct right. or it's incorrect, but it's really an art and a craft. And, um, so I loved it. I mean, it was very challenging and you work with a lot of very smart people and it draws a lot of intellectuals. Uh, so I loved it for a long time. But then of course, you know, midlife comes and it's like that knock comes at the door, that call comes back and it's just, you know, it just got uncomfortable. I didn't, I just got, I lost interest in hunting for disease, which is essentially what pathologists, you know, were, were disease hunters, were you yeah. know, we characterize disease and we point it out. And um, I started being more curious about like what makes people well, um, mm. which of course I felt like I was crazy for thinking that. I was like, Sarah, just buckle down, do your work, be like everybody else. But, you know, eventually right. that became unbearable. And I took a sabbatical thinking I just need some time to like maybe think about what else I could do. Um, and during that time, I stumbled into this shamanic path and it was very alluring and uh scary and a lot of things but eventually i basically said yes to my finally said yes to my hero's journey and stepped into that sort of dark forest if you will <laughs> mm -hmm. um and that's where i really began to learn you know the first thing that i learned was that the that animals you know that the that nature that we're all interconnected and that the animals have wisdom to share which sounded ludicrous to me, you know, as a scientist, as a, you know, a very logical thinker, I was like, how could an animal, you know, like, for example, guide me on my life journey? I'm a 40, you know, two year old at the time, woman with a higher education. Like, I don't think, you know, like <laughs> a blackbird is going to help me out right now. Um, <laughs> because I really, I really needed to be humbled. <laughs> and I mm. think, um, but you know, that's what I really began to learn as I played with some of these ideas at a very light surface level at first. And now, you know, a decade later, you know, at a much deeper level and continue to go deeper. Um, but I learned that the animals have so much wisdom and so much beauty they can show us if we just pay attention. And uh, I developed this very deep relationship with a, a spirit animal who is Alice, who is an elephant. And she taught me a lot and continues to teach me a lot about, you know, how to be and what is, what is helpful out in the world. And um, she gives me a lot of courage and enthusiasm and, and uh, you know, just kind of cheerleads me on my, <laughs> on my path. Um, right. And so, yeah, this, this new book that I have coming out has really been co-authored with Alice. Um, and I was saying to somebody yesterday, I... I, as I um, built my, you know, as I left medicine and I began to build what eventually became a shamanic healing practice and a coaching practice with retreats and classes and things like that, as I got busier and quote, more successful, <laughs> I started having less time to visit with Alice. So about a year ago, I just decided I was going to do this project, a hundred days project 
which if anybody's listening, if you want to like jumpstart your creativity or, you know, do something with your business, uh, I highly recommend checking those out. Um, hundred days <laughs> projects because I just decided, well, I'm going to visit Alice every day for a hundred days and ask her for a message that I can share more broadly, you know, with my community. And it was so wonderful because A, I got to spend time with Alice. She was super excited about it too. So <laughs> she was like, yeah, like the first day I went to visit um, after we had, I had gone to visit her and asked her if this would be an okay idea. And the first day I showed up on, you know, day one of a hundred, she had created in this, in the spiritual realities, this beautiful, like welcoming, like a tent, you know, with all these tapestries and like balloons and candles and, you know, it was just wonderful. Nice. Yeah, it was magical. And then people really responded to the messages and really enjoyed them and found them inspiring. And, and one weekend I went to a retreat, I was teaching and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to just, I can't do my hundred days this weekend. I'm going to have to take a break. And I get this message from a friend. She's like, where's Alice's message? I need it today. I've been waiting. It's like noon already. Come on. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and then I realized, wow, people really like these. And so um, eventually after the hundred days was over, I thought, let's, let's do 365. Like, let's give everybody a message for every day. And mm. then I added um, a little reflection from myself as well in there. And, you know, we added a prayer and some questions to help you, you know, one of those little books that you can sit with your coffee in the morning and start your day off kind of in a contemplative and inspired way. Well, and, and uh, I mean, Alice has quite a sassy personality. <laughs> like she's, she doesn't mess around. So oh, she tells it like it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've enjoyed, uh, I, as I told you before we began, I, I've been diving into it, just picking pages at random. So it doesn't have to be like a daily, you know, sequential thing. It can be a linear thing. It can be a, a just whatever message, however it lands on you that particular day. Very helpful. Yeah, totally. And, and, um, this morning I laughed. I've been kind of looking back at the book, you know, some mornings just to see, oh, kind of curious, what is on today? Like, what did I write about for today? Because, you know, it's been a while since I read all this material. And today I got back from watching the sun come up with a friend. We went to sing and kind of welcome the sun on Lake Superior. And I get back and I read May 20th, which is the day we're recording this. And it says, the message from Alice is, is this, if you want to supercharge your day, make a habit of watching the sunrise. <laughs> sunrise is hands down the most powerful time of day and witnessing this everyday miracle will bring extraordinary insights harmonizing with the sunrise cycle creates harmony in your life mm. and i had just well, how perfect is that i know it's just crazy and i had a magical magical morning and and some beautiful insights so oh, yeah that's great well well, your work has uh, really inspired me. I've always been so drawn to animals. And, and uh, since we spoke last, I think I started taking, ad adopting two animals for my, in my morning meditation. We just visit. They, they don't Ooh. do a lot of talking, mm -hmm. which is interesting. So I think maybe I need to uh, listen more closely to what they might have to say. It's more of an experiential thing. So yeah. Um, yeah, a bear and an elephant. You and I share that I affinity love for that. elephants. So, well, yeah. and the, the animals have presence, which is what we humans mm -hmm. desperately need. And they have a yeah. ton of it. That's all they've got. Yeah. Presence all day right. long. And we need it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, if anyone who's ever had a pet, you know what it means when 
the dog or your cat is out of the house. Yes. It's there is an emptiness to the space. It's amazing what amount of presence they have. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I'm 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 going to ask you kind of a you know bit of a provocative question and say yeah you know this is all really fun and good and it's lovely mm-hmm. that you have these interactions but how is this applicable to business like come on yeah great question it's well you know the those of us who love this work have a theory that you know this work hasn't been around for you know fifty to eighty thousand years because it wasn't <laughs> you know useful you right. know we feel that like it's very helpful and what I find is extremely pragmatic I mean it sounds so cosmic and like out there and sort of like well how could this be I mean yeah it sounds fun and playful but come on um, but what I've found is um, just incredibly pragmatic. I mean, I'll give an example. When I was um, working on my memoir a couple years ago, it got really complicated. And I was just like, wow, how do I find the structure? And I was just confused and dazed and didn't know what to do. And so I went on a journey, you know, using my drum and the drum is how one of the ways to alter your consciousness, you know, one of the traditional ways that somebody practicing shamanism alters their consciousness to connect with a loving and compassionate spirit and there this I have a specialized spirit who's a spider who helps me with my writing and you know I went to her and I was like oh this is working you know and she listened with (laughs) compassion and then she said I said you know what can I do how you know can you please help and she's like well the shape of this book is a circle and I was like what does that mean you know I don't understand you know and she's like just sit with that. I was like, okay, okay, okay. So I just wrote that in my journal, you know, and a short time afterwards, I somehow stumbled into, um, there was a, a diagram of the hero's journey, but it was like drawn in a circle, like a cycle. And suddenly Hmm. I was like, oh, maybe I could write Ah. it. You know, so I began to be a student of, well, what is the hero's journey? And then I began to see that part of my story had these elements. And so it was incredible. Like without that help, I mean, human beings can obviously be helpful to us, but the spirits are, you know, also they know, we say they know everything that ever has been ever, everything that ever will be, Mm. which is quite astonishing. So they, there's nothing they cannot help you with. Um, And then business, um, one of the things, one of the most beautiful practices I ever did was, um, I learned from Sandra Ingerman, who is a beautiful shaman in North America who does a lot of teaching. Check her out. She's got beautiful classes. Um, She taught this idea that you could retrieve a spirit animal or bring a spirit animal to empower a business or some Mm. element in your community. And at the time I was, I was like, wow, that is so neat. I've never thought of that. And at the time I was working with, um, a nonprofit in town that was building a new uh, home to shelter girls who had been trafficked, trafficked youth, basically. Mm-hmm. And we were very worried about the finances, the this thing, and we, but we were like, it's so needed, and it was just all this concern. So anyway, I worked with one of the staff at this amazing place to retrieve a spirit animal for these. There was a homeless shelter, and then there was a, a, this trafficked youth place. And the magic that ensued after that, Ursula, was just like unbelievable, you know, just profound synchronicities, the funding came, everything went smoothly. It's like both of these organizations are just doing so well. Now, is it for sure because we did that work? 
I don't know, but um, there is a great power. And they brought the symbols. There's, I'm sure there's more happening now, but at the time there were so many synchronicities that I got, you know, messages about. And so there is this, uh, I mean, this is what I didn't know when I left medicine, but I've come to understand is that there is a, a spiritual aspect underpinning everything. And when we, you know, collaborate with that, we can, with these loving and compassionate forces, we can, we can help, help each other out. We can help our communities out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And plus it's very, as you know, like if you're an animal lover, there's just, it's the, it brings an element of delight and buoyancy and like, um, brings us all back to that wonder we had as children, you know, when we first saw like maybe our first deer in the woods or, and we just couldn't believe it, you know? And, um, I think we all like, yeah, it's something delightful. Like, could business be that fun that you could have an animal guiding your business? Like, wow, maybe. That is a powerful concept that business could be fun and, yeah. and to bring in whatever is, I mean, bring in an animal or uh, uh, some practices that really help you to experience it differently. It's such a powerful thing. It makes me think of the the title of your book, which so resonated with me, your latest book. It so resonated with me because a, a coach had said that to me just the day before. And the, the question on the, on the that is the title of the book is, how good are you willing to let it get? And I'd love to uh, explore that a little bit with you where what is it about us that we feel that, that we make things perhaps more difficult than they need to be? Yeah, I think, well, it probably starts with the whole like getting cast out of the garden mythology or something, you know, that we all have these, you know, deep seated beliefs, like something's wrong with me. I'm not good enough. You know, it's, you know, success is for other people or love is for other people or money is for other people. And it's like, um, as I was on my sabbatical, and realizing, oh my gosh, I have to go back to work. That was my main thought. And that was a really depressing thought to me because I was just starting to experience like all this expansion, all this excitement, all this like love and joy, you know? And it was like, oh, what am I going to do? So I prayed to the universe, like universe, if I, and I wasn't a spiritual person then. I mean, I was starting to explore these things, but I didn't really believe in God per se at the time. I I didn't, I was, I guess you'd say agnostic. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was like, if I'm not meant to go back to medicine, I'm meant to follow some weird, wacky new path, which I'm not even sure what it is. You know, show me how. <laughs> Two weeks later, my husband got a raise for for like productivity or something that was unexpected, which was almost to the exact dollar amount my part time salary. I mean, wow. you couldn't get a stronger sign, right? I was like, that day I was like, oh my gosh, this works. This is amazing. This is a miracle. Oh my gosh, I don't have to go. You know, I don't have to go back to work. But then within like two weeks, I was back to, I don't know, you know, is that really the sign? And I just noticed that I was not, um, I was starting to slip back into, no, this isn't the sign. And around that time, I had just started learning about this concept of upper limit factors that Mm -hmm. Gay Hendricks um, put forth, which is this, you know, this idea that we self-impose these glass ceilings on ourselves. Mm-hmm. And around that time, you know, I just started formulating this question to myself, you know, uh, with some help with, from my spirit animals, you know, how good are you willing to let it get, Sarah? And I would just, you know, could you let yourself have a job you love and be financially stable? You know, could you let yourself, you know, love what you do and how you do it? 
And yeah, and so that question just became a powerful question. And now it's so wonderful because a lot of people associate me with that that question. And so whenever I'm struggling, sometimes my friends will jump in and go, well, Sarah, how good are you willing to let it get? I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. Because, you know, we forget. <laughs> right? And that's what I need to, you know, what I needed to learn. Well, and, and you've referred to this several times in terms of asking for help. I mean, when you're an, an action taker kind of person yes. that, uh, you know, make it happen type of uh, entrepreneur, asking for help isn't necessarily easy or what jumps into your mind at first. So you've really touched on that really well around, um, you know, how do you, how do you ask for help? And this is another whole realm of, of exploration to explore around that. Yeah. I think that's been one of the biggest lessons of the last 10 years that, you know, I think in medicine, it was all for one, one for all. Like, I mean, you just gunned as hard as you could to get the top position, mm -hmm. the best rating, the best grade, you know, and it was competition. Who's the smartest, who's the best. And you always wanted right. to be that number one person. And the last 10 years have been a huge, fat, giant, beautiful lesson in is not about <laughs> you doing it on your own. It is totally about the glory of collaboration. Um, and that, as you say, that isn't easy. Um, and, and in our personalities, you know, sometimes we allow our personalities to get in the way. And I think that's another thing I've learned in through shamanic work is that like, we're all harmonious, you know, at the level of the soul, you know, it's just sometimes mm -hmm. that, that outer layer can kind of like our personalities can cause friction, but I try to remember that, yeah, we're all doing our very best. And well, and something else you say in the book that I found very striking is that it, it's really a seeking a material solution to a spiritual problem. Oh yeah. Which section would tell me about the reading on that? Cause I'm trying to remember how I was. Uh... <laughs> you talk about how you moved from your 6,500 square foot house and got rid of half of your stuff. Mm -hmm. and, and you were, you were looking for a material way to solve a spiritual problem, which you didn't realize until afterwards. Yes. Yes. Um, I think that is something that, um, yeah, sometimes we don't learn the lesson until later. And um, when we did that huge downsizing, which was going to enable me to have some freedom to take that sabbatical, which I eventually took, it was funny after we got back to, you know, we sort of simplified, I began to start recomplicating things right as soon as we got to that other house. Hmm. But it was very obvious, you know, it, uh, suddenly I caught myself and I was like, wait a minute, Sarah, <laughs> we already did this once. We tried to, you know, fix it up fix up ourselves, our lives by, you know, changing the curtains, for example. And not to say that I think that our, our spaces, definitely we want them to reflect who we are and feel aligned with, you know, our, you know, and uplift us in every way. Um, but there's no, yeah, substitute for doing that inner work <laughs> because then no matter where you are, it doesn't matter. You know, you're going to, you're going to, you can connect in with that peacefulness um, that I think is what I was looking for. Um, in curtains. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you're not alone. I mean, there's the, the, the shopping cure is oh. one that is pursued by so many people. So, yes. Well, yeah. Well, we, we, uh, in the work that I do, I mean, I, I talk with people all the time who say they want to have impact and we all say this, I, I'm guilty of it too. And 
doing what it takes to become the one who has that impact are two different things. Mm-hmm. And um, you work so much in that realm of evolution and, and uh, allowing your life to live through you. Um, and I believe your impact wants to live through you. How do you, how do you address that when you're feeling not so much like you're the one to be doing this work? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think we all have, you know, rough days where you wake up and you just feel dispirited or you feel exhausted, you know, and then I just try to really take it easy on myself. Um, I do a lot of connecting. I mean, I do a lot of connecting with other friends and people who support me because I think it's just only natural if you're a leader (laughs) that there are days it can get a little lonely up there. Like when you're like, especially when you're on Facebook and every day, you know, I'm, you know, working to inspire and like invite people to connect. And, you know, some days it's like, nobody's responding, you know, and you can feel <laughs> sort of like, well, like, I'm, am I shouting into the void? Does it, does anybody right. care? Is anyone out there? Yeah. Is there anyone out there? And, um, I think, yeah, it just helps me to remember like what is important. So I usually go spend time, you know, outside in nature because mother earth always reminds me or, you know, that, it's, you know, there's peace, there's peace there that I don't need to be, nothing needs to happen. I don't need people's approval. I don't need anybody's likes or comments, you know? Um, and I think I also go to visit my spirits because a lot of times, you know, it's really challenging, especially if you're, you know, maybe you're in publishing and you're like me, you're like putting out, you know, like we just put sent money to uh, publish some card decks. And we're like, wow, that, that was a lot of money. And then you're like, well, I hope we can sell these. And one of my friends was like, well, at least you'll have hostess gifts for a lifetime. And, you know, we were laughing about it because you're just like everything you're on the edge, you know, you're leaping forward, not knowing if there's a net to catch you. But when I visit my spirits and these loving, compassionate spirits, they always just remind me like, we've got your back. You know, there's nothing to worry about. And when I'm there, I just, I just know that I just trust, you know, what I'm, you know, and of course being always a good steward of everything I'm, you know, paying attention and doing everything as consciously as I can. Um, But I think, yeah, if you're a leader, you got to have that deep seated belief and some kind of anchor into either some people or some belief that there's something greater than you, you know, that's helping you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, I think the, the, uh, task or the battle, I guess, if you want to put it in those terms, is really around not going down the rabbit hole too far. (laughs) At least that's true for me in that if I can kind of nip that type of thinking in the bud Mm -hmm. of, oh, this isn't happening, you know, nobody's out there or or this isn't a good, you know, I've, I've just blown you know, hundreds or thousands of dollars, and I'm not sure where it's all going. Yes, and the those practices that you talk about in your in your books and what you just mentioned are so important in just keeping you closer to the, you know, the the truth of the way things are, as opposed to spiraling into uh, a perspective that's it's. Uh, really negative. Yeah. And usually it's like my ego clinging to some, you know, God, this has got to happen or, you know, whatever. It's just some temporary illusory thing. And as you say, like the true, the truth of things is 
so much deeper than that and so much more profound and loving and um yeah this is all kind of i like to think of it as an illusory game although very real in appearance and so we just have to do the right. best job we can to have fun and love each other and and make stuff and and help each other in whatever way we're mm -hmm. called to do that mm -hmm. well you talk in the book about um failure and hidden goals that the divine has in mind where fat past failures that eventually led to great success oh yeah yeah talk a little about that failure is such a juicy topic like we don't talk about it enough and i know like in medicine it was just taboo i mean we would always make dark humorous jokes about, you know, making a mistake in pathology, but like nobody wanted to talk about the mistake they had made or the mistake they almost made. Well, the stakes are high there. I mean, yes. you know, in fairness. They're yeah. very high. Um, and we tend to um, obsess over those, at least some of us who have that perfectionism streak, you know, obsess over those near misses or something that we perceive as a failure. Um, but often these, you know, I think when I was talking in the book, I was referring to like in business, I re just actually just recently we had this wonderful retreat set up to Bali. It was like, everybody's going, this is great. We had, we were nearly full and then three people canceled in November. And I was like, huh, that's odd. I was like, well, hmm. let's make another video and we'll just keep on going. So we started marketing again and and then we got like two more and then two more canceled. And it was just so odd. I was like, is it my vibration? You know what I mean? I was like, what's going right. on? And I called my collaborator. We were like, let's make it, you know, and eventually two more people canceled and we were just like, it's at the <laughs> tipping point. And I just made the call. Like we just, we're just not going to go. And so we just called mm. the whole thing off, but it felt it. I wanted to blame it on myself, but I was just like, I don't know. And, um, you know, a month later, COVID basically hit it was like, yeah. oh, yeah. And my collaborator had a son that got critically ill, unrelated mm. to COVID, and, and he's doing well. But it was like, oh, of course, we were never going to Bali. This was not in the cards, you know? Mm. And, you know, that's just the great mystery, and there's no one at fault, and it's okay. And um, just to be curious instead of, like, beating ourselves over the head, like, why isn't anybody calling me today to, like, sign up for my new sessions, you know? Just be like... Right well, maybe today I'm supposed to do something else. I mean, just being open to that. Cause I think I used to make it all about me or my failure to do something perfectly or, you know, that I just wasn't a success. Um, and it's just, no, you know, there's, there's other, there's a lot going on out there. <laughs> well, that's such an important point, I think, because, you know, we tend to take it on and even, especially if you're spiritually oriented at all, then it's all about your vibration <laughs> or I'm not intending right or uh, Was I wearing the wrong things. essential oil that day? Like, what happened? <laughs> right. It's, it's so multifactorial and there's the great unknown of, and, and how amazingly that all worked out in terms of, uh, of, I mean, unfortunately due to the, to the pandemic, but how amazingly that all worked in your favor in the longer run. Yeah. And it can, you know, right before that I was booked to go to Thailand, bringing a group to Thailand. And that was right as the pandemic was hitting. And that was a tough one too. It's like, what is it? Like, should we not go? Should we go? And it was kind of like, I felt like I had to make the call. And in the end, I made the call, we're going, or, you know, let's do this. And we had a marvelous time and we all got home mm. just in time for everything to shut wow. down, you know, and perfect. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you talked about leadership a number of times, and I wanted to explore that a little bit. And how do you see your own leadership? I, I often ask people, what do you think impactful leadership means? But I'll, I'll leave it to you to, to take on that word or not. I think um, for me, leadership or how I express leadership, because when, you know, sometimes people are like, are you a leader? I think, am I? Like, guess I am. Um, I guess I think I am in the sense that my leadership would be just like trying to just be as much who I am authentically as I can be in everything I do and everywhere I go, like trying to be the same person showing up everywhere um, with integrity um, and encouraging others that it's safe to do so by the, by being that, you know, I think my definition of leadership is kind of inspired by that Marianne Williamson quote, you know, mm-hmm. you were meant to shine, you know, like all, I think it's like children do. And, um, it's when you shine, it allows and gives permission to everybody else to shine also. And so to me, that's leadership. And it, like, I love the kind of leaderships where like, I don't want to tell you what to do. And that's why I love shamanism. I want to see once you connect with your spirit animal or your spirit teacher, I'll help you do that. But once you've made that connection, what what do you want to do? Like, that's what I love. I get so excited about. Mm. Well, I mean, you're, you were very self-effacing when you started talking about yourself as a leader, but you've been a leader all through your career. And I wonder how has your experience of leadership shifted from the days you were a leader as a physician versus uh, a, uh, a leader now? You know, it's so funny. Like I never really saw myself as a leader, as a physician. That's because mostly I was, you know, like in a mic, like locked in a room with a microscope most of the time. But there were times when I did, like when in residency, I decided to create my own sort of fellowship, which nobody had ever done before. But I saw this opportunity to kind of craft something unusual and interesting using, you know, working with dermatopathology, which is skin pathology. So I Mm -hmm. guess my leadership would look like, again, just kind of breaking the rules with permission from, you know, obviously some, some of the the academics that allowed me to do it, but like showing, leading the way by saying, we don't have to do everything the way it's all set out. We can make our own way, you know, and don't be afraid because whatever it is, as long as you follow what your inner guidance is, it's going to, you know, that, that choice made me absolutely hireable for my job that I, my ultimate job, which I landed eventually. And I somehow deep down, I thought this is going to be really marketable skill if I can just figure out how to get this done. So I think, again, just being creative and in, 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 that's what I think for me leadership is just, yeah, walking the walk yeah. or talking the t- walking in the walk and talking the talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, one of the things about our culture is that uh, we tend to focus on the young. I think that's maybe shifting with the population balance, what it is, but the wisdom of elders and their journey with impact is often overlooked as a resource. And what do you think we can learn from elders, especially right now? Oh my gosh. Yes. Like that. I mean, this, I think this is the most heartbreaking and uh, so much awareness is being brought of, you know, how many of our elders are now so vulnerable because a lot of them have been placed in these places where they can't, I mean, 
you know, we're not maybe tapping into that wisdom in the way that we could be. Um, and I just remember seeing a post recently and it was so beautiful. It was one of those posts where they just snap a picture of the person sitting in a chair, you know, these beautiful faces, you know, of these elders. And then they had a placard on which their, their advice for life was on the, on the placard. Oh wow! And it was just like things like, don't forget your friendships. Um, go mm. on dates with your partner. I mean, just all these beautiful, profound, you know, like have more fun, take things less seriously. Um, don't forget to do things just for yourself, you know, um, just such profound and beautiful wisdom. Um, and I'm just so glad that it's getting out. And I think there are so many, I think of, um, well, Clarissa Pinkola Estes is one of, one of the elders that I love to, um, learn for. And I think that's one of the things that really mm. resonated with me as I got to know shamanic, uh, traditions, you know, a lot of indigenous cultures that is still intact. The elders are still held in high esteem and they are sought mm -hmm. out as, um, ones you should turn to. And I'm so grateful my parents are both living and my kids who are, you know, several of them are adults now, you know, go to them with their, their, their questions and problems in life. And that is really satisfying. Mm, that's great. What an amazing thing for them yeah. to have that available to them. Yeah. Well, there's, there's a, a statement in your book that I really wanted to ask you about. And, and uh, it just so landed with me when I read it. And here, this is Alice speaking. Um, each resentment should be thoroughly investigated and may point to where you have betrayed yourself. What did you take from that wisdom from Alice? Yeah. I think it's, I try to make a practice of noticing where I am resentful. And then I, from Alice, I, I, I started to look at, well, where, you know, what is my part in that? You know, so if I'm feeling, you know, I get home and for example, the kids are like, why aren't you making me dinner? Or, you know, is putting on some demand <laughs> and I'm like, ah, you didn't like what I made last night or, you know, whatever. Um, where did I betray myself? You know, sometimes it's I, in that situation, maybe it's I betrayed myself by not asking my kids to begin making dinner for, you know, for the family. Um, you know, mm -hmm. I've decided that I was the one who is going to take on that job. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes I'm resentful um, because I was trying to people please. And I was like, oh yeah, no problem. I'll take care of that. It's not a big deal, you know. <laughs> but then later I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that. Um, so I think resentment, and the person doesn't respond with enormous gratitude. It's annoying <laughs> when you've just bent yourself into a pretzel to please them. Totally. Yeah. So I'm really grateful for that message because resentment, we don't think of how we could have, I mean, that doesn't immediately leap to mind. I'm ticked off. Oh, where did I betray myself? It's like, Oh, you know? So I think it's really important as she's pointing out, like to look more deeply. Um, at these resentments and you know, what part in that did we play? You know, is it a boundary that I failed to keep? Um, usually for myself, that's the case. You know, I've got a strong people pleasing gene and a strong like, um, empath, you know, like let's all just be together and there'll be no boundaries, you know, but that, that doesn't right. work. <laughs> no, 
No, and it's a, I mean, if you've ever done any work around the imposter complex, that whole leaky boundary, people-pleasing combo Oof. is a, a certain one to kind of lead you down the, down the path. So, <laughs> yes. yeah. Yeah. Well, um, uh, something you also talk about in the book is, is uh, about the cactus still blooming under challenging conditions. And I wonder, what do you see as the gifts of these times? Yeah, I think, wow, like if you've got a medicine practice or, you know, meditation practice, or you've been working on yourself right now, you, you know, over the last couple of years, you're seeing the fruit of that because you're probably not as scared. Yes, you've been having some ups and downs, but maybe they haven't been as severe, uh, you know, and so I think, um, having a personal practice of meditation or whatever it is that you do to connect with yourself and be rooted in yourself and rooted on this planet. Like, um, those things can, things help when things get tough. And, um, I think of that cactus because it's like, wow, they're just like out there in this, it seems desolate and just brutal and there's so little water, but then they just make these just incredible flowers. And I think that's why, you know, in this book is a lot about encouraging people to meditate and sit with themselves and cultivate that stillness. Because when we have that, it's such a gift that we can offer people. You can walk into a room that is like an absolute nightmare. There's so much grief, there's so much pain, there's so much suffering. And you can literally be like that cactus flower, you know, that everybody just, you know, you can bring that calm, that sweetness, that, um, that comfort, that presence to to that space. And so when I think about the cactus, that's what I think about. And that reminds me like, yep, I want to sit in my meditation this morning. Cause maybe, you know, like times like these, it's very challenging and we need more people to be able to be that stillness, that rock as the, as the winds blow strong and the storms keep coming. <laughs> um, right. yeah, to bring comfort to people. Mm. Yeah, that's so important. And um, yeah, I agree with you about the morning practice. I I have one and have been doing that for years now. And I, I have wondered myself, what people do who have don't have that grounding first thing in the day. I mean, it's so easy to go off and, and be lodged in fear. So yeah. And even if you do have it, I mean, I think it's only natural that we all have, you know, we're all just human beings. And so I know I've had my fair share <laughs> during the COVID yeah. crisis. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a roller coaster. Yeah. For sure. Well, Sarah, I always wrap up these interviews with a, a rapid round of three questions. Are you game? Yes, ma'am. Great. The first one is, what's the biggest thing you've learned about having impact? The biggest thing I've learned about having impact. Hmm. I think that... To have impact, it's got to be something, whatever that is, it's got to be something that's so tender and close to your heart that you can do it day in and day out, you know, without getting tired, if that makes sense. Because to do it, to have an impact, I think you have to continuously mm, work on it, you know? And if they think about my own impact, I think it's just this gentle invitation to people to go outside, to go inside themselves, to go out in nature, you know, and, and connect with them themselves and then express 
you know, their, their gifts and talents, however that is to have the courage and enthusiasm, you know, to cultivate that in themselves. Mm. Um, I love the way you just described your impact as I was, I was about to ask you what you saw that as being, what a beautiful way of describing it. The second question is, what's the one thing you've consistently done that's contributed to your success and impact the most? I would say over the last year in particular, walking almost every day with a friend has made a profound difference. I think it's just for me getting that connection and also getting that physical movement and just like working out the problems of the day, you know, with somebody that has my back, you know, um, <laughs> look at that. The time the crickets are cricketing for that one. Um, <laughs> so I think that is probably one of the most profound and comforting things. Mm, that's great. And the last question is what's one piece of advice or an insight you'd share with someone who's asking themselves, how can I have more impact? Um, well, I would probably invite them to, if they haven't already done that, connect with a, what I like to call a core beastie or a spirit animal. Because I think, again, the spirit animals really help us to bring more presence in our lives and to empower us in this authentic way to become who we were meant to be and so to do the things that we came here to do. Yeah, and if anybody's listening and would like to try that, you can go to um, followyourfeelgoodandifyou.com and if you subscribe, I'll send you a little shamanic journey to help you connect Ooh, with your spirit animal. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for that, Sarah. Mm -hmm. Well, and thank you for everything you've shared today. You're, I, I love hearing about your journey and how you came from this as you described it, very linear thinking kind of career path to this one that is wide open. And it's just your, your work, I know, has kind of exploded the idea of, of what is in the world and what is possible for so many people. So thank you for sharing that with us today. Thank you, Ursula. It is a joy to be with a fellow Pachyderm fan. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's always a pleasure talking with you, Sarah, and thank you for the work you're doing in the world. Thank you so much. Before you go, don't forget to register for the Fierce Women Forum so you can grow as a leader and have more impact with your business. Go to workalchemy.com forward slash FWF, as in Fierce Women Forum, to learn more and to register. Join us for more episodes. Subscribe to the Work Alchemy podcast on iTunes or Stitcher Radio so you'll know as soon as new episodes are available. You can even help spread the word. Leave a review if you like what you've heard. Thanks for listening. Until next time, for ongoing support so you can have your own impact, join our community of entrepreneurs like you by liking the Work Alchemy Facebook page.